Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Slam Fire Radio, episode 344 for March 5th, 2020. I am one of your hosts, Trevor. I'm another one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm Adriel. Yay! Big show. Really, really big show. Super excited about our guest this week. Yeah. Never been done before. I think we've uh, we've upped the bar yet again for uh, our our podcast community to uh, step up. Best of luck, everything's a contest, and uh, we're winning again. Yep, <laughs> like always. So, um, what are we? So, what are we winning? I'm just saying, listeners, just fast forward to the main topic right now. It doesn't matter anything that Kelly's going to say next. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Even the things I'm going to say next don't matter. Just go right to the top main topic where I interview somebody very important. <laughs> well, if we're done, we can just you know we can. Can we done. leave? Yeah, we can leave. Oh, let's start drinking early. <laughs> Sweet, thank you, Kelly. All right, first round on Adriel. Ooh. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll give you my uh, debit card. Perfect. Yeah. Wait, yeah. no, mm. no, no. I need a credit card for this. <laughs> no one starts a bar tab with a debit. Yeah. Oh, I tried to pull one over you on you. No, 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 no one's going to take your uh, local credit union debit card. Sorry, not the American place where I go. Express black card. There you go. Yeah. Not a discover card either. Not even I'll take one of those. No. <laughs> All right. Let's um let's get going because the show's already gonna be long. So um let's get to uh, what we did this week in <laughs> guns is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. They have the Ruger backpacker with Magpul stock. So this is a 1022 takedown um backpack edition that you take apart and put in your backpack, and it's got the magpul stock on it, not the regular stock. It's got uh, all the cool stuff that a 1022 has, you know, the detachable 10 round rotary magazine. Um, what else we got? It's got a cold hammer forged barrel on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. What else do we got going on? It's got the Weaver style 22 tip off scope mounts are included, heat stabilized glass filled polymer trigger housing, so on and so forth. Comes um, with four mags. I was going to say, also includes four BX1 mags. Three of them are stored in the stock. You can have all this awesomeness for $629. That's a good price, actually. It is a good price for all that stuff. Yeah, 1022 backpacker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With Magpul. Yeah. All the extra mags. So what's a mag cost, Kelly? 25 bucks? 29. So there you go. $30 plus tax. So $40 a mag depending on what province you live and how much they steal from you. Yep. There's a lot of value there. So um, I'll get us rolling. Oh man. I worked at the shop every day until today. We had a snow day on Thursday, went to the shop. We had a snow day on Friday, which I predicted on Thursday night. I went to the shop Saturday afternoon. 
um, we set up for the reloading course that we taught the next day. So this reloading course is sponsored by Hornady, Corth Group, and DC Armory. Nice. My, uh, yeah, Joey and uh, Joey from from DC Armory and myself taught it. We had five students show up. It was awesome. It's a really cool course. Hornady actually provides you with a PowerPoint presentation that introduces people to the hobby of reloading. Uh, very well laid out very very straightforward very informative it's a basic introduction to reloading and then when that is done we actually we did the powerpoint presentation in one classroom and then we crossed the hall into another classroom where we had set up a reloading bench yes. i had this really cool desk type situation happening that was in storage wasn't being used so um, it's one of those like computer desks that's supposed to have a keyboard tray. Well, we remove the keyboard tray and you roll your, 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 your seat up into this U shape cut out in the desk. Right? So to your left powder measure next to that powder scale and trickler next to that, your reloading block next to that, your press next to that, your brass trimmer all attached to this, to this bench. It was like, it was so cool, so convenient. They got to see everything in action all at once. It was, cool. it was neat and organized. Yeah, it was good. So they Gotta all take that all... metal holdy thing, put the bang button in the bottom, put the magical fire dust inside, <laughs> put the metal freedom, thing is freedom seed on top. Am I getting bang these? these... No, yeah. you're close. You're close. Bang okay. button. Uh huh. Magic fire dust. Mm -hmm. Freedom seed. What about the metal holdy thing? That you put yeah, that's the only thing you got right. You got okay. that right. Okay. Yeah, the rest okay. of you are kind of close, but not your terminology. You need to take my course so you can get up with clearly. Correct. I don't have the PowerPoint. Norman Clature. Yeah. Norman? Norman Clature? Norman? Norman Is it Norman? Huh? Norman Clature. Norman? Yeah. I don't think you Nom, 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 nom. Norman Clature. I'm hanging up. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we, we let them do different aspects some guy everybody took a turn trimming a piece of brass using the digital calipers um, throwing a powder charge uh resizing a case seating i don't know if anybody actually sees any primers i don't remember anyway everybody went home with a loaded round of uh of ammunition they all had pals of course so we had no problem letting them load and, and take home ammo it's pretty cool um and then uh, i started doing my own 4570 brass prep that's uh, all I've been up to. I mean, I did a lot, but like, you know, I'm not going to get into all the crazy stuff I did at the shop, but I was at the shop pretty much like every, every day. day. I'm on I'm on spring break right now. So I've been, yeah, today was the Is, first day I didn't go to shop. Wasn't spring break also like snow days? Snow like, day, snow day, spring break. So mm -hmm. It's been an extended spring break due to the, uh, <laughs> the two snow days. Yeah. Thursday and Friday. So. Awesome. It was a snow day. People couldn't get to work, right? Schools were shut down, but you went to work. That's right, because okay. I'm not a school bus filled with children. I'm one okay. man in one truck. This is true. Okay. All right, Adriel, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, let's see here. I think I mentioned that I got these on the show last week, but uh, a couple of Tokarevs. These are they look like original finish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're worn like these are used guns. Sure, of course. Uh, yeah. Which is what I wanted because the uh, why two? Because uh, two is not? better. Two is better than one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that's I already, it. That's what I'm going. One is none. Sold one. <laughs> but they're Very super good. cheap, right? Yes, and, they were under uh, two hundred bucks, so you might as well. They're one eighty. SFRC had them. That's 180, crazy. One eighty nine. 
Yeah. Aren't they typically more sought after than the Russian one because of the, the better ergos? Oh, the grip's so good. So I had one of these before, and it was it was just a little bit short. Uh, and your the Russian pink, one. Pinky would hang off. I had a Chinese yeah. one. Oh, a Chinese uh, one. Yeah. But uh, now with the uh, nice long grip there, that's a full grip. Hold on, Adriel. Yeah. Somebody's audio is looping through, and there's a lot of feedback there. Is it mine? Maybe. Yeah, I think so you can, I can hear myself, too. Uh, yeah, so the, the grip on this thing is a lot better. Uh, it's supposed to have a magazine safety in it, but this being a used one, whoever used this in the 50s or whatever, disabled them. <laughs> I was going to do it anyways. I was going to like course. rip that crap out of there, but uh, there's no magazine in there, and uh, it works just fine. And I actually looked underneath the grip, and it looks like they just take that tab and just rah, bent it out of the way. Heck with that. We don't need that. Nope. <laughs> uh, pretty heavy trigger on them. Uh, without the trigger pack in here, I just I just measured the spring pressure just from the uh, trigger there. It's four pounds with the trigger pack and everything working. It's eight to uh, to pull that wow. trigger. Do you remember the night that we were drinking and we had one of those at your buddy's place when we put a Mantis X in it? On a Tokarev? How yeah. did we get one on them? How did we? There's no rail on them. Oh, we had the we had the laser cartridge then. It wasn't Mantis X. It was the laser cartridge was in the gun, and you mm-hmm. dropped the firing pin, mm-hmm. and it would it would register on the phone. Yeah, yeah. And I had the best the best score, the best shot with that thing with the Tokarev. Yeah, it's, we're at Will's place. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, that's actually who I sold one of these to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. and uh, yeah, so the trigger is pretty heavy on them, but that's okay. The, gri- the grip's fantastic. That's that's what I really like about it. You like and, it? Uh, uh, it's, it, it did what I wanted it to do. I've got some good shooting guns, some modern guns, but I don't have anything like old and ratchety. <laughs> old and ratchety. <laughs> <laughs> and now I that's do. A, that's a word for it. <laughs> yeah. Old and... Then- yeah, can... they they came cosmoleaned right up. I couldn't actually pull the slide. Uh, I, I took them out. I'm like, this <laughs> slide's not moving. It, they were just caked and it just dried on there. I bet you they used them for like five or ten years, holstered military police, that kind of thing. And then they got to a point where like, man, these things are way too outdated. Cosmoed them. Waited for World War Three. Never came. Sold them to yeah. Canada just you know recently here. So that cosmoleaned was on there. Good. And they're made I, by uh, who? Which one still? The, is that the, is the a Polish Yugosl- one? Yugoslavia. Oh, the Yugo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, made in Serbia. So like Yugoslavia wow. is like this big amorphous thing of like all these little countries afterwards. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, to get the Cosmo off, I, uh, I I I remembered trying to. What, what else did I get that had Cosmoline on it? Just recently here, I tried using the ultrasonic. Oh, the mags. Oh. That, Hardly did yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah well, the, the ultrasonic with with like hot water and and uh, degreaser and that kind of thing didn't do anything. So I was looking around at at um, I've been watching YouTube and like watching random weird stuff, and I've been watching people like getting rust off bolts and that kind of thing. And I watched one guy take uh, a jar of gasoline, stick his stuff in yeah. that, cap it off, and then put that in the ultrasonic cleaner, and the ultrasonic goes right through the jar into the solvent and. Uh, I tried that. That worked really good. <laughs> it pulled all. It just immediately turned the the gasoline brown from the cosmoline. So the uh, the, uh-huh. the gasoline dissolved it really well, and then the ultrasonic just really helped to vibrate the heck out of it to uh, to pull that cosmoline out. So now they're nice and clean, and and that's that's a quick way of doing that. 
Uh, I got some surplus 762 by 25. Open that can up. That was fun. Uh, I, I, then I, I just recently went over ammo pricing. So I did like when I when I went to do 762 by 25, I wanted to see what I had paid for it before. I had a spreadsheet about of, from uh, about four years ago where I got like 762 by 25 by 54 by 39 9mm 223. Uh, and then I compared back then to now. 223 and 9mm are both um, at new production, both considerably pr- cheaper now than four years ago. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, hmm. let's see, 308, that, we had some of that Nork stuff before, like four years ago, you could get it for like 40 cents a round, that stuff was a screaming deal, you can't beat that, uh, and then, yeah, most of the other surplus stuff is like a penny or a couple pennies more now compared to, to back then, but the new production 9mm and two two three, the prices we're getting right now are, are amazing. Really good. Yeah. yeah. If anyone is looking for 7.62 by 25 for their Tokaref, um, when I bought one from DC Armory, I ordered a case of Cellier and Bellet ammo, not realizing Cellier and Bellet had been around forever. Okay. <laughs> when something is new to me, I assume it's new to the universe, not, not the case. And so this surplus ammo showed up i was hoping it was going to be non-corrosive right but mm-hmm. it was uh it was old school corrosive some steel core by, you probably and but silly and billet you know i mean it's, it's good yeah. stuff but anyway bought a case of it and then sold the gun and never bought the case so there's a case of it sitting at dc armory and it was bought you know it was cheap so what are you <laughs> yeah. or, what are you saying are you trying to sell it or what yeah man if somebody okay. needs some we got a case sitting there that i was supposed to buy so yeah. Help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool Help ammo. It's really cool ammo. It's like it's very different from a lot of the other stuff we have these days because it's so fast and it's mm. a bottleneck little round and it's quite long actually compared to a lot of stuff out there. It's stanky, man. It reminds me a lot of 357 SIG. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically a 308 bullet in a bottleneck pistol cartridge and it's it's there's it's some it's just a lot of capacity in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good subgun ammo in a pistol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, what else I do? Uh, a whole bunch of maple seed stuff, setting up events and that kind of thing. Um, Kelly's uh, packages came in the mail, so I got like shirt and hat and a bunch of other stuff. Dog and... glitter. Glitter? Dog glitter. Dog, Dog glitter. Hair. Dog glitter, yes. <laughs> I got a package from Kelly this week too, by the way. I was mailing out packages to I got everyone. Two. Everybody. I got two, and I got one more on the you way. You got one more coming. I'm Trevor waiting. and other Trevor. We each got something in the mail. I haven't okay. seen him. He hasn't oh. said he's coming by for it or anything, but he knows it's okay. here. Right. He told me, uh, you open yours first, and if there's white powder, I want to know about it right away. <laughs> Just don't cough. Uh, and then uh, I sold uh, my Savage BMAG. I've had it up on CGN forever, and I just I, I, I never bother like BTTing it. And uh, a local guy actually said, like, hey, I wouldn't mind picking that up, so... Uh, cool. Sold that guy. Yeah, I I had got that for shooting gophers, and it's fantastic for shooting gophers. You can really uh, really hear the hits on those. But uh, with shooting maple seed, I'm just used to shooting with a sling more now. And if you can yep. shoot standing with a sling, you can shoot more gophers that are just uh, very close to you. If you're shooting long range, you you generally want to go like take a knee or, or go prone yeah. or something like that. You're going to be shooting far anyways. And uh, if I want to shoot a lot of gophers, I do 22 standing and I just go to town. So uh, a BMAG was surplus to, to what I needed. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? I did a few things. So 
I got a new skeet gun. Yeah. I so picked it cool. up. Uh, What's so, the difference between a skeet gun, a trap gun, and a sporting clays gun? I don't it's know. A shot, it's a shotgun. So you got a shotgun. I got a shotgun. <laughs> All right. But it's perfect for me. It is uh, perfect for me for skeet because that's what I'm going to use it for as opposed to clays. Because I'm not, not going to do sporting clays. I'm going to do skeet because that's what I'm going to do here. <laughs> uh, no, the reason is because um, uh, I'll perfect one area and then maybe I'll go on to trap and then on to sporting clays because sporting clays is a little bit more difficult. Do you have, do you have all I'd the options say, there? I have all of the options at oh, the range here. But me if I'm wrong, Kelly, isn't but, uh, wouldn't I it's my understanding that the hierarchy of difficulty would be trap is the easiest, followed by skeet, followed by sporting clays. Yeah, I thought that too. But yeah. the instruction that I got, or sorry, Matt, Matt Pomeroy is the um, president of the club here and fantastic guy, by the way. And he does such a great job with instruction. Um, I thought that too. And he says, no, it's the other way around. Skeet's actually a little bit more easy and um, than trap. Mm. So he started us with skeet first. And then we'll go on to trap and we'll go on to uh, sporting clays. So, I mean, yeah. like either you hit it or you miss it. Uh, exactly. Really, Adriel. So, is that your scientific like, analysis of the shooting sport? It doesn't seem that hard. That's just all, either yeah. you hit or you miss, and just like how it's a scale. <laughs> Adriel, yeah. you're, either you you're, hit it you're or you time out. Just stop speaking. <laughs> Let Kelly and I handle the rest of the segment. Tell okay. us about your beautiful new over under and the wonderful caliber my, or uh, my, gauge it's in. My new beautiful over under is a 28 gauge. Yes, I know it's a 28 gauge, which is the, as Trevor said, it's the rarest, you know, it's and the most expensive. The most expensive shotgun, shotgun gauge there is. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, it fits me perfectly. Um, it's comfortable and I'm going to hit more clays with it. And if I hit more clays with it, it means I'm going to shoot it more often and I'm going to enjoy it more. So I don't really care that it's a little bit more expensive to shoot. Uh, one a reason more is double. Okay. So it's double, but the thing is, I also, I have some connections, some discounts and different things like that. So is there like, no 12 how, how gauge many... on the planet that would fit you that you could wait for? You had to buy this 28 gauge right now because it fits so amazingly well. well. And, and it's really... light. And it's light. So the other reason that I bought it is because uh, I have somebody who works at a gun store and said, hey, you got to come and see this. And the reason is because it was actually at a really, really good deal. Um, it's a demo. So it's the Anatolian Tornado. Um, so it is super light, as as Adriel said. It's five pounds. It's a 28-inch barrel. It's a walnut stock, and it came with five chokes. And because it was a demo model, it was a little bit reduced, but it's still in demo great model. I mean, were they letting shape. people shoot it in the store? No, not in the show. It's just on display or what? It's got a nick on, like it, like if oh, you yeah? look, it's got a nick right there. Do you see that? Oh yeah, uh, a little kiss. It's not a little perfect. Kiss. But anyways, so and it was already on sale for four hundred and fifty bucks, and then I got ten percent off Amazing. as well. And so it's just like, yeah. And it, and no, no, you had to. Perfectly. I mean, who? I had I mean, to. Yeah, had to. Yeah. I'm like, it's my job to give you a hard time. It's it's what I do. It's my role here at Slamfire. So naturally, it doesn't matter. Even if you buy a twelve gauge, I'd find I'd talk shit anyway. I got but a twelve gauge. The truth. You know, yeah. How's that working out for you? The okay. truth is, 
Uh, I'm really jealous. Uh, hold the gun up while we're talking about it so that okay. the people watching at home can can see what we're... Because you just flashed it once and then put it away. Well, yeah. That's... Yeah. So one trigger and, and over under... Ejectors? Ejectors or extractors? Uh, no. Uh, no, <laughs> no, that wasn't any, that wasn't a yes or no question, Kelly. <laughs> ejectors no. or extractors? No. no. <laughs> you got to get your no. jackknife out and pick them out of there. <laughs> I'm going to have to pull them out. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, okay, but it is what it is. And it has Doesn't been matter. worked in enough no. that I can actually, it's easy to, yeah, look, just as I say yeah. that. So, <laughs> break it open. It's got a gold bead at the front. Um, cool. but, What's it made? Uh, is, it, is it Turkish? It's or Turkish. Yeah. Is yeah. It it's Turkish. So, fantastic. And you shooting yet? Nope. Going on Wednesday. Going to go and shoot some clays. I thought you said you weren't doing clays. We're going <laughs> to... Really? <laughs> you just said his job is giving keys? you a hard time. Shut and up. I think, yeah. I think this, and yet, this, every time I give her a hard time, she acts surprised <laughs> and annoyed after 343 I'm going to bring this. I'm going to bring this to and the butt charity me with shoot. It. Yes. <laughs> now, Sweet, because I have a different definition of butt stroking. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You okay. mentioned, uh, so Trevor, you, you were mentioning that it's twice the price, and, and yeah, it's twice the price. How many rounds do you actually shoot? Because I, I, I'm willing to bet the price well, difference doesn't really make that much of a difference. So... If I shoot a round of trap at the club, it's 12 bucks a round, and we usually shoot three rounds. So that's 36 oh, bucks in one day. Now, her what? ammo is twice that price. So she came out to shoot three rounds of trap with us on a Sunday at $13 a box, plus yeah, plays, another 10 so that's yeah, like, but I I blow more than a hundred bucks of ammo easy every time I go to the range. Yeah. So, but, but that thirteen dollars is not what I actually pay. That was just, you know, retail yeah, price. Retail. Yeah. So it's not what I actually pay. No, no you're probably, too good to pay retail. I understand. Yeah, you're I know. famous now. You're insta famous. <laughs> you're podcast famous. No, I'm not. I just uh, I have friends that I can split in low places with and get discounts that's all because you know it's all about shooting so i really 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 like it it fits it's nice it's lightweight i can go and it's even to the point where we were talking about going and doing a pheasant hunt i might even do that no way yeah not 28 gauge you're not yeah why not why not eh, you need 12 gauge to shoot pheasants you don't you don't number four to a six yeah for sure I'm just talking crap. Now, Kelly, um, I had a legitimate question here. We're about the... Um... Okay, I'll interrupt you when it comes back to me. Okay, so the next thing that I did... I So I went to SFRC on the Saturday and bought the gun because it's Saturday and it's SFRC and then, you know, it's a gun. Um, the next day, <laughs> I went Checks to... Out. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Saturday, it's FRC, it's a gun. Yes, next. <laughs> the next day, I went to FRPC, which is my local range, and I went out with Kelly Kincaid as well as her husband, uh, Kyle. I went with my friend Tamara, who is, by the way, in the calendar, and her boyfriend, Kyle. So it was Kyle Square and Kelly Square plus Tamara. And we went shooting uh, pistols on the indoor range, and we did some uh, IPSC drills, and we, did, we had such a great time it was fantastic and uh again it was uh i, I brought my cz shadow shot really well lots lots and lots of alphas um and yeah so there's a 
So there's actually a Black Reg course in May, and I'm thinking that I kind of signed up for it. So I'm going to yeah. take my Black Reg course because it, you know what, Ipsic is really fun, and I'm, and yeah, the the course itself, uh, like we've mentioned before on the show as well, is um, really good at showing you what uh, a pistol shooting competition is all about. So you yep. get you get some of the etiquette, you get some of the um, safe shooting on the move, like all that stuff's really good. And not there's not really another place you're going to get that. Yep, I'm not fast, and you know I'm not a pistol shooter. I'm not fast, but I'll get there. There are. Yep. Uh, I I had fun. There's currently still time constraints. I can send you the manual. Um, I'll send you a link to the black badge manual, okay. so you can see all of the course material and the curriculum before you get there and the last page of the manual is the list of qualification drills yep and so you'll have a sense of what the time constraints are like and you can prepare for them ahead of time yep. um ipsic ontario like other provinces does have a prerequisite you're expected to get something like eight to ten shots on um, a eight and a half by eleven sheet yep. of paper at 20 yards no time limit so yep. which i'm sure you are you can already do so oh yeah and I think I'll fall into the um, time restraints as well, the time periods that they have. But as I said, you know, some of the people I was shooting with on the weekend were a little slower than I was. And some people were a little bit faster. And it, we were also looking at hits versus um, mics. So I was able to, no mics, mostly alphas and within that time period that I was supposed to have too. So one of the areas where I see a lot of people lose time on these drills in the black badge is the draw. Their draw is so painfully slow that um, yeah, I when have... the gun is out, they're they're shooting quick enough and they're getting their hits, but they're taking too long to get the gun out. So yeah. um, we'll have to yeah. uh, get together and make sure your draws ironed out before beforehand to through yep. video or whatever. There's some things that I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to actually switch over my Meg um, pouches, and I'm going to I'm going to have to get a better um, um, uh, holster. better holster because I have a duty holster right now where you, yeah, so. that's got to go. Yep. So I, I, I'm getting excited about it. It's another, I'd like to make a suggestion. Okay. Sean Hansen is selling, um, Red Hill tactical holsters at freedom ventures. Yep. Um, a lot cheaper to get them in Canada than to buy them from Red Hill. Like I bought one from Red Hill and it was $140 just for the Kydex shell. I wonder would a, uh, would a shadow two holster fit a shadow one? For Red Hill, mm, it's a little bigger, so mm. it depends on the check. type of holster. I have a I have a Red you Hill holster that I don't want, uh, <laughs> and I will check it with a Shadow One this weekend. And okay. if it fits, do you Let want me know. something like that? I'll go in the mail, yeah. Yeah, I've got this holster here. I can't for the life of me figure out what it's for. Um, Handgun. It's an old L- LHS. It might be a 2011 holster. Because it seems to me that Dave had sent me some LHS stuff once upon a time. Anyway, I'll also check it for Shadow One if it's okay. Shadow One. Let me know. I'll buy it yeah. from you guys. Yeah. So the other thing that I did was uh, Bullseye London had a fantastic sale on their fat wrenches. Um, I was oh, yeah. so nice sure. Originally, uh, we had one in our kit for maple seed, and we no longer have it in a kit. So I said, you know what, I'm buying one. And the reason is because it was $59.99, and at SFRC, it was $79. And I'm going, I'm not paying that. I'm going to go. So I bought one. The problem is 
that there was nine that they said they had in stock when I purchased it on Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. And uh, Monday I got an email from them saying they they oversold it. Would we, Would I like a digital one? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> so I got the digital one at the price of the non-digital one. Uh, I also, they threw in a so sticker. Smart. And I also got a t-shirt too. Because those are on sale. They're $5. They don't want to take them with them when they go and they move. Because they are moving like we heard last week. So, uh, fantastic customer service, you guys. I got it in the mail today. I actually had to go over to the um, the the post. So, the postman came to the door, rang the bell. I wasn't here. I waited at uh, Shoppers Drug Mart at the post office. Uh, well, literally for an hour to get it so I could have it for tonight's show. But, fantastic. Dedicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good, guys. Thank you for sending it, and thank you for letting me know and upgrading as well. So thank you. Uh, and also, just this week, uh, every evening I've been on calls. So I've been Sunday night. I was on an instructor and training call. Mm-hmm. Monday I was on a call with uh, Adriel for the instructors, and then I was on a call for him separately, and then I was on a call with Gallon separately, and I was on a call with Ryan separately. Mm-hmm. So and everything is ramping up with respect to maple seed. We got dates coming up. We got, oh, it's just, it's all going to come together. Fantastic. So, and I think that's everything that I did. Can, I show, can I show one thing on this toker rev just before we move on? Sure. Uh, just because it's, it's not something that, that uh, the other toker revs have the, the Chinese or the Russian ones or anything like that. Check this out. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of neat. Uh, this is the, uh, the recoil spring here. And it's articulated, and it's captured. So the, all it's the other ones cool. have like a, a 1911-style uh, guide rod and then the, kid, the bit that goes over there. This one's got a captured one that's got like an articulated link in there goes, so, that, so that you can uh, stick it in there. That's cool. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's guns today that don't have captured recoil uh, uh, recoil springs. And uh, they're not as convenient. I, I prefer a captured one. I just wish I could get as excited about a Tokarev guide rod as you. Like <laughs> your your level of gun nerd is right up there. It's out there. Well, yeah, I, it's out there. It's gun show. So yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And uh, before we move on, Kelly, I remember the other thing I was going to ask you about. Sure. Um, it seems to me you're somewhat familiar with reloading. Possibly done some reloading at some point. Or my a little bit. I no, I haven't done seen the, the equipment. I've you're, you're, seen the equipment. I've actually done some of the prep. Okay, and cool. yep. So, and I also listen to the reloading podcast lots. Um, you might want to consider if reloading. you can find one a Lee <laughs> a Lee Lodal. Yeah, for your twenty eight gauge. Oh, yeah. Because the Lee Lodal is the simplest, easiest shotgun loader there is. It's like mm-hmm. this one little unit all combined. It's it's doesn't make the prettiest look at ammo, but it makes shotgun ammo. And uh, if you can find one in 28 gauge, I highly recommend that you look into it. Okay. You don't um, have one, do you? I do not. I know Muffin's got a lead load all. Hmm. Um, I think the captain loads for 28 on some other thing. Like He's got a whole shotgun reloading section of Shotgun presses, besides all of his metallic cartridge stuff, and I feel like Kim has a twenty-eight gauge of some kind. Maybe it's twenty. 
<laughs> anyway, okay. uh, I will inquire with the captain if he is into the 28 gauge reloading and we can source uh, data from him and okay. uh, talk components and stuff like that. You don't, and, and this, the reason why I'm recommending this Lee load all is because it's like, it's set up. You, you can't adjust and unadjust and change. Like my, my shotgun reloading press requires a bunch of fine tuning. Yeah. This one doesn't. It's like put the shell there, crank this big handle. Boom. I have shotgun ammo. Pretty so. so it's Kelly proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kelly. <laughs> yeah. It's so simple. Even a Kelly can use it. You know what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you led me down that road. I was I, on the path with you. Where, where were we going to end up? I know. All right. Let's I move. gave it to you. All Thank right. You. Upcoming events. TACCOM Canada 2020, September 11th to 13th. The Canadian Pro-Gun Podcaster Network uh, will be in attendance at TACCOM 2020. Your favorite podcasters will be on hand throughout the show. So make sure you stop by the booth and meet your favorite podcaster, meet your favorites, and pick up some swag. Or drop by while we do our special live broadcast where we will be talking to event organizers, guest speakers, and vendors uh, about all their new and must-have products product let me just add an s on there products there we go uh you can get early bird tickets they're on sale now click on the link and type in early bird 15 off you'll get 15 where's the link tacomcanada.com there you no, go don't go there go to the tacom a link that we provide because it actually is our oh, podcaster one and right we, get, we, we will provide a link mm-hmm. thank yes. you kelly all right yeah so, or as adrian would say google it don't Google it because you don't, don't get Google it. it. All right. So click on our link. Go to Social Kelly's media. house, knock on her door. She'll <laughs> hand you a piece of paper with a link. Give me the link. Give me the link, <laughs> Kelly. Hand it over. Remember his name. What is his name? Damn it. What? No. <laughs> All right. 10th annual podcast network charity shoot. Um, things have been happening and getting done. And now it's time for me to start dedicating some time to this again. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, uh, is it next week? Some week here soon, we're going to have somebody on to talk about the uh, charity itself. Anyway, it's going to be uh, the 4th of July. It's going to be at the Rescue Gun Club. It's going to be $25. And the courses of the fire are a mini steel challenge match following the USBSA steel challenge stages. You can use a 22 pistol, a 22 rifle. We will make fun of you mercilessly for it. A PCC or a handgun. There's yeah. going to be a half around a trap or skeets or clays, whatever Kelly decides to call it that day. I can um, bring my come out and watch Kelly spend twice the money as the rest of us <laughs> to shoot the same amount of targets. Uh, we will also have a self-serve pistol base set up. So we'll have a base set up with steel targets so that if you're not into shooting the trap, you're not into shooting the steel challenge match, but you'd still like to plink on steel. There'll be a, a, a base set up for your, uh, for your use at your leisure. Now that one's self-serve. On the other ones, leisure? does someone else load our mags and yeah. like hand the guns to us? Like, are the other ones full service? I don't know, Adriel. Do you have a squire like some of us do? No, I, I don't do. think you do. Uh, don't Who's know. your squire? You got Dave. Squire? David's your squire. Yeah, every charity shoot, he's my mag prep guy, and he wow. holds my he holds all my guns and he holds all my ammo. Yeah. He was cool. fantastic. That's why I gave him his trophy last year. Oh, nice. Adriel, I'll hook you up with the squire. I might even let you borrow mine. Oh, that's that's nice of you. 
Yeah. Hey, Mark, you're going to do double duty. I got your back, buddy. All right. <laughs> this year's charity shoot, uh, this year's charity is the Rod Harkwell Memorial Fund. The fund is intended to for the benefit of sick or injured children in the Rushkush region. That includes expenses incurred by the families of sick or injured children for medical treatment, testing, equipment, or related travel expenses so that they may receive the best treatment possible by leaving this shitty region. <laughs> Thank God for the Rodney Memorial Fund. They don't have to stay here in the third world hospital that we have. They can leave town and get proper like you leave town to go shopping, you might as well leave town to get good medical care. And without mm-hmm. the Rodney Memorial Fund, you wouldn't be able to afford to do so. So, so normally, they'll, so normally they'll go down to Moncton. Yeah, depends. Um, the IWK Children's Hospital is is fantastic, and it's in Halifax, yeah. so a lot okay. of these kids probably end up at the IWK. Yeah, probably. Actually, if yeah. you would like to check out the um, charity, you can go to www.rodharkwellmemorial.com forward slash rod hyphen harkwell hyphen fund to uh to see some information about rodney and uh and the charity uh what else we got is the uh that's it that's it all right let us move on then to new gun stuff new gun stuff no news just new gun stuff all right Adriel, take it away. I mean, for the new gun stuff we have, it's pretty cool, though. There's a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. Whole oh, bunch awesome. of stuff. Mm-hmm. This first one's fantastic. It's I was so neat. screwed up by this the first time. When I saw it on Instagram, I didn't um, I didn't realize the partnership. I thought BCL had come up with a gun and named it SLR. I actually put up a post and said, you couldn't come up with your own name? You couldn't come up with an original name, and then I, mm. I looked more close. I went, "Oh, wow! I see. Mm. Yeah, all the okay." Even Gun nuts is down for me. Is it down for you guys? Oh, there it's it goes. It's not down it for me. Just popped back up. Okay, all right. so yeah, BCL SLR Coyote five five six. This is a non restricted um, AR style rifle based on the SLR lower and a BCL made upper and all the parts and stuff that go along with it. How They're amazing is that? Fifteen fifty for pricing. That's the amazing part because I that think to do part. to do an SLR build, uh, fifteen fifty would be <laughs> unreasonably inexpensive and uh, impossible to hit. Well, I mean, let's face it. Your SLR receiver set's a thousand bucks before tax. Uh-huh. Just the yep. receiver set. This is a complete rifle mm-hmm. for fifteen fifteen hundred. Yep. Yeah. Throw a barrel on there. There's a hundred bucks. Throw a uh, uh, hundred bucks at cheap, right? That's the cheapest barrel you could get. Uh, throw a four end on there. There's another hundred bucks. Throw a BCG in there. Throw a stock on. Throw a grip on. And hey, you just can't do it. You can't do it for for five hundred bucks. But apparently they can. Yep. Yeah, that this is going to be some really good competition for the non-restricted two two threes. Because even if you bought this and then threw out a bunch of this stuff and and added stuff on, it's still going to be fairly reasonable. Yeah. Uh, next one, and I put this one in earlier before all these other news. So this was like, oh, this is kind of neat. Uh, yeah. FOC is is bringing in some Stag Ten Lev twos. These are the GI three hundred eight uh, style. Uh, Stag 10, and they are 1950. So if you want one of those, check out Firearms Outlet Canada. What's What makes it GI? What's going on with this? Why it's 308. We're... It's just a standard 308, but they're bringing in a, a bunch more of them. The Stag 10's a, bit, a little bit hard to get to. A lot of them have, uh, yeah. have been being sold out and that kind of thing for a lot of the time. 
now the next two I've got here are build kits based on the Matrix Aerospace M762D, which is a non-restricted setup. Uh, and there's a couple of, of, of players in Canada here who are now offering build kits for it. So the first one is the cheapest one by far. Uh, True North Arms is offering a build kit for the Matrix Aerospace M762D for fourteen twenty-seven. Uh, now it's uh, this is a blem. At least I, w- I would consider it a blemish. It's the fore end. Uh, the rail height isn't the same height as the receiver. Oh, but if you don't bolt, oh, you just replace who it. Cares. Or who cares? Yeah, or who actually on it? Who actually put like we're we're not running night vision on our uh, on our rifles. So, well, speak for yourself. Okay, Mr. Moneybags over there, night vision on his hunting rifles. Uh, yeah, so anyways, th- th- this one's available. 1427, man, everything I just said about that other rifle is also true about this one. 1427 gets you a, a complete rifle. Now you have to build this one, but... Assembled and test-fired as well. If, if you, if want, you want that, you, it's yeah. 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Hmm. For for the non DIYers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that's that option. I saw. I think I saw that today, and then I saw another one today, and yeah. this one I'm really excited about because this price and the stuff they're putting in is all stuff I would put into one of these AR tens or AR ten style rifles. Uh, so Maple Ridge is offering a build kit, but theirs has like some skookum stuff in it. They've got. Uh, an MRA 20-inch barrel in either 6.5 Creedmoor or if you prefer uh, older, crappier cartridges. They also have it in 308. I can't believe you said that. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you poop on the 308? <laughs> oh. It is still relevant. I haven't gotten any hate mail like anytime recently, so I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying here. I'm going to give you some hate mail. Okay, good. I'm going to send you more coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, this, this thing comes with some good stuff. It's got the Maple Ridge Armory barrel. It's their match barrel, uh, yeah. X, X1 match. It's got their X1 M-Lock handguard, which is fantastic. I've got that handguard on one of my ARs. It's a nice handguard. Okay, take those two things. Mm-hmm. Barrel, uh, what, three? 300 bucks? Uh, uh, four end? Also 300 bucks. So this has already got $600 worth of stuff on it. It's $300 more expensive than that TNA build. And the good stuff just keeps on coming. They've got an, an H2 buffer kit. Uh, they've got a nice break on there, one of their Defiance. They've got a Pinter uh, gas block. i got one of those as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the MFT minimalist stock. They didn't get the memo that you're supposed to put on a crappy stock and, uh, and just not pay attention to it. The MFT minimalist is like 70 bucks, 80 bucks all by itself. Uh, and then they've got a Complete decent grip rifle. on there as well. What's that? Complete rifle weighs less than 9 pounds. Yeah. yeah. My stag pounds. ten mm-hmm. is like eleven pounds, with the scope so, on it, right? R- yeah. Right. I yeah. want to revisit yeah. something here. This is one, two, three, four new awesome black non-restricted semi-automatic rifles, mm-hmm. all with a ban looming over us. Guys are saying, "Screw you! We're still taking guns to market." Awesome guns. I I think. Um, I'm going to buy each of them and then lose them in a boating accident the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding, of course. I'm not buying any of them, unfortunately. Not because I don't want to and not because I'm afraid of a ban. Because money. Don't have a but boat. Don't have a boat. Yeah, I don't actually have a boat. 
So, but if I did, yeah. man, I'd lose all the guns. <laughs> uh, this this Maple Ridge Armory rifle. The only this thing the I one. the only thing I do to it is trigger. I'd, I'd swap the trigger out with a yeah. uh, cassette style, like I've talked about before. Everything else on it, good to go. I wouldn't change anything. The barrel's perfect. The forend's great. Uh, the grip's nice. It's got all the good stuff on there. Is this is this selling right now, or is this a pre-order? What's selling the right now? They have the six fives, I think, ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a two weeks lead time from twenty in stock order. according to the website right now. Yep. Twenty in yeah. six five Creedmoor kits available now for immediate delivery. Right. I was like, I had this in my cart earlier today, and I'm just like, oh, I need to make some more room oh. in my safe. <laughs> Do, oh, just pull the trigger and I buy need it. To make room in my safe is the lamest god darn excuse i've ever heard for not not when not when you're on like safe number three and i don't care (laughs) you have two weeks you have two weeks to sell something oh by the way make it happen Uh i'm still waiting for my transfer that's because you're non-terrible i know i got these i got these guys they they transferred to me in a next day it's business (laughs) yeah i'm still waiting yeah business business Still, still waiting business you call it to complete it right Yes, I did. Thank you. Just checking. Die. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> was it a, per, a, a no? Was this a personal transfer? Or, yeah, it was a personal. Yeah, transfer. yeah it's personal. Yeah, yeah. The victory. Yep. Cool. Anyways, yeah. Right. A whole bunch of really cool and non-restricted AR-10-ish or AR-15-ish rifles coming on the market. Really good stuff. Cool. Thanks for the good options. Let's uh, let's jump into our main topic. All right, it's time for our main topic, and this week we have a very special guest, the Honorable Mike Holland. He is the Minister of the Department of Natural Resources and Energy Development for the province of New Brunswick. Mike Holland, welcome to Slamfire Radio. Great to be here. Looking forward to having a great chat. Awesome. Um, Well, Mike, um, I want to start a little bit with your... um, how I've been following your career and your background and why I wanted to get you onto the show. First, let me just say thank you for being so accessible. Um, I've never seen a minister embrace and utilize social media the way you have. Well, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting medium. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it can occupy a great deal of my day. I probably spend about two hours a day on social media not just scrolling, but addressing and dealing with specific questions. Uh, but it's important because you're right. Uh, the minister's role in natural resources in New Brunswick had had quite a distance from the actual users of the resources. And I've been um, an outdoors person a lot longer than I've been a politician. So I felt like I needed to bridge that gap. And that means making sure that you're accessible, available, whether it's on social media or actually visiting, I visited, I think, just about every fish and game club in the province, at least once, some of them more than that. And people need to feel like they got a connection to the person that's charged with making the rules that govern the sport we love. Absolutely. And um, you're definitely with the times. It is 2020 after all. And the easiest way to reach your constituents is to go where they are. And I mean, you're obviously not going to knock on everyone's door. Sure, you've been boots on the ground. You've been to some of the clubs and whatnot. But let's face it, um, 
unless you're living in, on under a rock in a cave on Mars, you have a Facebook account and there's so many groups out there dedicated to our hobbies and the things that we love and you've joined them and you make yourself accessible like like no one I've ever seen. How has that how has that been? Have you received criticism, backlash? Has it been embraced? What's that been like? Cuz I imagine it's been a bit of a, a journey. Well, there's times where, you know, um, sitting and going through stuff on social media, it can be, it can be challenging at times because one of the things that I know, uh, the, the good thing about social media, about Facebook and the other platforms is that you can get a message out in a broad base and, and, and reach a lot of people. However, social media is also a place where if somebody starts talking about something without the facts, that can create a wildfire as well. So one of the things that I've wanted to do by being so accessible is to be able to quell or quash any misinformation that's out there um, by being the minister that directly interacts with folks on our hunting, New Brunswick hunting pages. Uh, people feel like they can get a direct line. The, the challenge is, is that I get, I get about 400 Facebook messages a week. And if I, if I miss a night of responding, I can, you know, F- Facebook is live in that it continues to roll. Yep. So it, it, it requires a lot of attention, but I believe it pays off in the end. Cause you're right. We're in the 21st century. Uh, I believe that the outdoor community should join it. Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate what you're doing where you're getting on there and you are uh, squashing the rumors and getting out the facts because those groups can be filled with uh, trolls, internet, uh, keyboard commandos, a lot of people who think they actually know, and um, my uncle Jimmy told me, and then all of a sudden on comes the minister and says, well, actually, guys, this is the way it is. And then when you're called on something, you explain why it is the way it is. So just, again, kudos to you for your involvement in social media. And uh, it's definitely, I know that it's time consuming, and I know that uh when you put yourself out there, you can take a lot of flack from people when they, yeah. there's a decision they don't like. It comes with the territory and you've taken it head on and embraced it. So, so good for you. Appreciate that. I love it. And I always said that as long as I come home at night and, uh, you know, my pets still wag their tail and my daughter still loves me, what people say to me is, uh, is irrelevant. It's too yeah. important to be out there to keep, to keep it up that uh, this is not a business for uh, somebody with a thin skin and I've been told I got a pretty thick skull. So let's go. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Um, so I've, I've never seen this much movement out of the department of uh, natural resources and energy development before. And I think the difference this time around is we've got a man in the office who um, is involved in the things that, the citizens of New Brunswick are passionate about. You're not just a career bureaucrat who has taken this position um, as part of his political career on his way somewhere else. You were given this, this position appointed to the position, whichever the correct terminology is here, it doesn't really matter. But the, the, the point is um, you understand the things that New Brunswick uh, outdoorsmen are into and want and care about because you are into and care about the same things. And so we're seeing uh, real change happen for, and, and a lot of things are quite significant. And I'd like to address a couple of them. 
And sure. uh, we'll talk about some of the things, some of the initiatives that you've done and are currently working on. And maybe there's some that I'm unaware of. So uh, let's start with one of the big ones. Uh, I am one of those people who I'm 45 years of age. I've been applying for a moose license as long as I can remember. Ever since I was able to, I may have lost a year or two throughout university. But um, and of course, my, you know, my father won one tag in his entire 78 years, you know, Um you made changes and those changes yeah. are, um, with making, making it more uh, accessible for people like me to actually get it, get a tag. So for the listeners who are unfamiliar with our moose draw system in New Brunswick, can you explain how it was and the changes that you implemented? Well, I'm, I'm no different than you, uh, grew up here, uh, the lottery for the moose draw, uh, it was difficult to be drawn, um, but there was a lot of folks that would apply en masse. And by that, I don't mean a bunch of hunters applying. There was a bunch of people that would get their daughters, their grandmothers, their cousins, their uncles, non-hunters to apply so that it could increase their odds of being drawn because they could then uh, operate as the second gun. So I felt like there was a log jam of applicants, which was limiting the likelihood of success for people like you or I. So last year we made it mandatory that you had to have your hunter safety course before you could even apply for your moose license, Mm -hmm. which actually uh, amounted to a reduction of about 5,400 applicants in the draw. Well, in addition to makes sense. Yeah. So what was happening guys is New Brunswickers, like he said, were getting everybody and their dog to apply and then if their name was drawn, it was a big scramble for them to get the outdoors card, to get the hunter safety course. Like they, I was, it didn't make sense. They should have never been able to apply for a license. They weren't able to walk in and purchase. Right. Absolutely. You Well, you summarize it better than me. To apply for the moose license, you should be able to walk up and buy your license that moment. And mm-hmm. by changing that simple regulation, it, were, it, it amounted in over 5,000 last applications. But something else we did, we've got a layered system where the longer you apply, the more ballots you get. You go into pools. And the longer you apply unsuccessfully, you get more ballots. I also uh, took the people that have been in the draw for 20 years or more, and I doubled their ballots, wow. which amounted to the folks in that pool, the 20-plus year applying unsuccessful pool, and it brought them to this year to a 96% success rate for the people that were in that pool that had been waiting for that long. So it does a couple things. It rewards the people that have been waiting so long, but it also clears them out. Mm-hmm. And, and then now allows a new group of people to move into that 20-year pool, and, and they're going to have the benefit of the doubled ballots as well. whole idea is that it cycles through us as applicants faster, eliminating the people that can't uh, that, that aren't uh, certified at the point of the application. And the other thing is that means that we get a better crack at our moose license, but I don't touch the moose quotas at all because everything I do cannot mm-hmm. be at the expense of the resource. Sure, it'd be great to throw out another thousand tags, but that's not responsible management of the resource. So I had to figure out a way to use the system almost against itself to eliminate people from applying and keep it to the legitimate ones and then give an advantage to the people that had been applying for an extended period of time. First year was a success. 
and and we're quite happy with it. And we're going to continue to refine and evolve it as time goes on. Uh, anytime I can find an area to tweak or, or drift to correct, we're committed to doing just that so that people feel like they are in an equitable system and they have a fair shot at one of the best, best hunting opportunities in North America. Amazing. Yeah, we, uh, oh, um, there's more, more moose in Northern New Brunswick than people. So. <laughs> Population of moose in New Brunswick is just over half of that in Newfoundland. Now wow. that tells me that, that that we've got a resource there that that we can use. Oh, and I've done some amazing things with outfitting and guides to help them celebrate and sell uh, New Brunswick. Uh, the, the moose is an incredible opportunity here in New Brunswick. Once oh, of a lifetime hunt. Oh, for sure. Um, we have some of the largest bodied moose in North America. We may not have the big Alaskan racks or Yukon racks, but um, you know, poundage on the hoof, we have big moose. What do you say? You can't eat them horns. That's right. Yeah. My buddy shot a cow this year and he's right. just blown That's away. Anyway. What's that? That's my excuse anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, my buddy shot a cow this year and, um, he, he just can't get over the difference in the, in the quality of the meat. And, uh, now he thinks he's only going to shoot cows. So, and, uh, we're fortunate that the population is so strong that we can take a cow without, you know, causing any damage. So, but that has to do with, again, how many tags go out, I suppose. But so, um, let's shift into, uh, a hot button topic for some people in the province. And, um, I think it's a lack of education on their part or some people just don't like change. There's a lot of reasons, I guess, why people would be against this, but Sunday hunting. You were trying to bring New Brunswick into the 21st century and align us with other jurisdictions in the country that allow Sunday hunting. Um, Where are we with this and which Sundays will uh, be open? First of all, I want to say something (laughs) that means a great deal to me. This is an example. Uh, You had talked about my accessibility and the work I'm doing for the hunting community. This is a perfect example how the hunting community in New Brunswick came behind a minister that was trying to make things better and had their voice heard. I have never been so proud of New Brunswick, the New Brunswick hunting community, as I have been with this. Yes, indeed. Uh, I put forward legislation to expand uh, the hunting in the fall on on Sundays. Right now, we currently have three during the, the, the whitetail deer season. But I wanted to see that expanded. And so we've added about another nine to the to the hunting year basically from the from the sunday after thanksgiving until december 31st we're going to have sunday hunting it's passed uh, uh it was read in the legislature passed the first reading second reading i successfully defended it in committee and it was uh it was moved on to third reading um all things being equal and moving forward according to plan we should see that approved and i believe i do have the help votes in the legislature uh to approve that uh, by March 31st, so that it'll go into effect for this fall. Now, when there was controversy about it, it was a, you hit it right in the head. It was a lack of education. Um, people, I won't get into the plethora of reasons that were presented, but they were very easily uh, addressed. Um, and at the end of the day, to give you an example, those opposed took over six weeks to create a petition that garnered 2,400 signatures to stop Sunday hunting. And the hunting community in 72 hours created a petition for New Brunswick that reached over 5,000. 
So this is, I, I spoke with industrial freehand low, uh, industrial freehold landowners. I spoke with, um, the agriculture Alliance. I spoke with the private woodlot owners association and the hunting community itself had been looking for this for a long time. There were some people that were concerned, but in the 10 years that we've had Sunday hunting in New Brunswick, there's been zero incidents or injury. So I feel very confident that we're doing the right thing. Uh, we're planning on pressing forward, and I believe that we have the votes in the legislature. Now, something else I want to talk about is uh, you talked about how I'm not a career politician. I'm not. I don't care where um, about political parties when it comes to outdoor initiatives. In fact, I did something that's never been done in the legislature before. I formed an all-party outdoor caucus where I invited members. There's four different parties in our legislature. And I invited each and every one of them to participate in an outdoor caucus where you take your political hat off at the door and you put your camo hat on when you go in. And it's people of like mind from all different political parties where I sat down and talked about a lot of the initiatives that we we're going to move forward with. And it's important because I said at the camp, nobody cares where you live, what language you speak, what your gender is or what your politics are. And, and, and so I wanted to start taking that same approach with our legislature. The things that get bogged down because of politics shouldn't be our hunting heritage and our outdoor lifestyle. And, and this is an example of people from all stripes coming together saying, yeah, this makes sense. We're going to address the folks that are concerned, but we feel confident that it's something that uh, the, the, the large hunting community in New Brunswick are in favor of. So. I really appreciate that because politicians need to be reminded on a regular basis. They're, they're elected to create policy, not to politic. And actually so, I'll take it. Uh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. That's a, real, that's a real hot button for me. In fact, I say that a politician is actually hired, not elected. Yeah. Well, hired, and they have a duty to reflect the people who actually gave them that job. Now you can't make everybody happy. But you're in a position where you were put in that elected means somebody arrives at a position. And, and that scares me because people get comfortable at that point. Hired means get in and go to work. And yeah. I think there's a big distinction. And I'm trying to change the way that, 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 that we look at people who are elected and start referring to them as people who are hired. At that point, there may be a bit more accountability, maybe a more uh, stronger desire for them to actually show some results so that the people who hired them will continue their contract, so to speak, into the next yep. election. Uh, we know that Ottawa is filled with a number of people that are just there that will do absolutely anything so that they can qualify for that freaking pension. They'll do anything just, just so well, they can I stay mean, in to get the pension. It's a good pension, though. Yeah, I, I, I ain't this. What's that? <laughs> I was just saying it was a good, it's a good pension, though. <laughs> Not a lot of those out there right Actually, now. Oh, here. I got, I got to address that because here, first of all, I'm not in this for the pension. In fact, um, I did quite well in the private sector. Uh, I'll do I'll do well in the private sector again when the time comes. But it's important to realize the pension in New Brunswick, we adjusted it about 10 years ago. And it's actually, it's a civil service pension that's not gold-plated. And, and I mean, you ain't, you ain't going to Tahiti on the pension that, that we get there now. In New Brunswick, we did adjust that, and that's important. Uh, but Ottawa... Now that's a different story. Yeah. We could talk about Ottawa because uh, I know you, you you've got your agenda there, but uh, I, I want the the listeners and the watchers to realize that 
that I took it upon myself to take the initiative. I'm not a premier, but I wrote a letter to Bill Blair, the, the public safety minister federally, and I, I, I wrote in staunch opposition to uh, the implementation of Bill C-71 and, and the catastrophic effect I think it's going to have on legal law-abiding, responsible firearms owners like ourselves and do absolutely nothing to reduce uh, criminal acts, violence, or the sale of illegal guns. So um, that's a that's a drum I've been beating for a long time. I don't know if you can see it or not, but over my shoulder, I'm sitting in my living room, mm-hmm. and I purposely set up the camera so you can see my gun cabinet. That's a piece of my furniture. I'm proud of it. And you know what? I'm very upset that stuff that's in that cabinet right there that was given to me by my grandfather could possibly be considered illegal because of a bureaucratic technicality that makes no sense at all. So you can count on New Brunswick to stand up from my desk for sure. And I represent our government. I couldn't have done it if I didn't get the green light, but I'm the one that's speaking out from our province saying no, uh, that not without a, not without a strong opposition. Love it. Really appreciate it. And so did, uh, did Bill get back to you? Haven't heard back yet. What a surprise. I haven't heard back from my local MP or Justin. I wrote them both letters, but anyway. All right, let's uh, let's move on to another um, one that is just wrapped in common sense. In New Brunswick, for the people who don't know, because we have listeners from a couple of different countries and all over Canada, in New Brunswick, you were allowed to shoot or to hunt large game with any center fire caliber okay so any center fire caliber legally i could take moose hunting bear hunting but when the deer season is over and the fall bear is over and the moose is over and we go into vermin hunting i wasn't allowed to carry anything larger than say a 22 250 is the most common example given so i could take any center fire cartridge large game hunting but could not shoot a coyote with anything larger than 22250 and um, I understand Minister Holland that you are uh, getting rid of this because there's no logic to it what what where did this come from why are you doing this but thank you for doing it but what what uh, what brought this on well you know it's a, it'll be a similar theme to everything we talk about all of the regulations and legislation that I'm changing uh, started out at a conversation at a camp at a coffee shop or over a tailgate somewhere where we were talking about things that don't make sense. So I collected that list and this was on that list. The caliber restrictions were on that list. The caliber restriction was put in place uh, a number of years ago because they felt like if they took the large caliber weapons out of our hands at the end of big game season, that that would put a stop to poaching because (laughs) we wouldn't poach. Well, listen, uh, we know that's not the case. We know that people will poach a moose with a 22 rimfire. You got uh, there's a reason why all the 22 250 the poacher's gun. Yep. I mean, it's a deadly center fire cartridge, and uh, and 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 so that a, a poacher once again, just like Bill C 71, somebody's going to poach. A poacher's going to poach. That's right. They're, they're going to poach with. The, that's right. They'll poach with a 30 cal. They don't care. They're already breaking the law. They're going to break all the laws. I'm poaching, yeah, not, but I better make sure I don't use a 30 cal. That's ridiculous. What, what flawed exactly. logic. They're not saying, oh, well, there's a caliber restriction, so I can't take. No, of course not. So it was foolish. And the other thing is it was, it was, it was perhaps, I mean, I got a number of firearms and somewhat of a, 
a weird obsession with them. But there's a lot of folks that, you know, might have maybe they got that 30 odd six in the cabinet and they got a 12 gauge. Yeah, and they got totally a 22. Yeah. So so the caliber restriction was forcing them to to maybe take resources they didn't have to go out and get a 223 or a 22250. The other thing, so therefore they weren't, they just weren't uh, hunting, uh, doing predator control with their large caliber weapons because they weren't allowed to. Um, the other thing is I'm working very hard to get ladies, youth, broaden our demographic, bring more people into the hunting sport. And I got a 19 year old daughter. Um, she don't like putting the 30 odd six up and shooting paper. It's not much fun for her, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so a 243 though, is a phenomenal gun to bring her into the sport. And then still I can go down to 50 grain on that. Yeah. And that's yeah. a great environment caliber. Even if you're shooting with the 90 grain, you're not yeah. talking 300 wind mag, right? To blow a hole through the side. So it's, um, it, it, that gives a sweet spot where people who want to introduce the next generation to the sport or folks that are a little iffy on recoil can get a nice, good quality uh, deer gun. And then it becomes a multifunctional tool. And once again, everything I'm talking about doing is reducing barriers and bringing more people into our sport. So it it, it made sense to remove it because it was an antiquated law that didn't work anyway. Um, it helps folks that don't have the resources to go out and buy a number of firearms. And it lowers the bar to letting new people get into our sport. Check, check, check. It just made sense. So it's a regulation and it's working its way through the system right now. And uh, I've got, uh, I, I, I hate how long it takes to do stuff in government, but we'll have that throughout the course of the spring as a regulation that's in, in effect and, and going forward. So can you put a date on it? Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, I wanted March the 1st, mm-hmm. but understanding that I'm not a career civil servant, I sometimes don't have a grasp of the time that it takes stuff to work its way <laughs> through those government. Mm-hmm. And so it's looking like May. Okay, but it's a regulation, not a law, so it's not a problem. It's no, a uh, it's not a law. I don't need votes on it, and and it's working its way through the system. So it's just TikTok. It's just time now. Okay. But the the thing is, although I didn't make it for the first of the varmint season this year, it's in place once it's done for in perpetuity. So going forward, come March first, it'll always be there. Okay, excellent. Um, next, turkey hunting. Um, for the last couple of years, well, maybe like a decade now. Turkeys have been popping up in New Brunswick and surprisingly further and further north all the time. Like I saw one one time almost all the way up in St. Leonard. Well, like I, I couldn't believe what I was looking at that high. Normally it's McAdam, Fredericton. Um, there's debate about whether or not they were ever, ever native to the province. The First Nations say, yes, they were. They were part of our natural diet. Um, some people in the government said, no, they were, they were not native. They were introduced, yada, yada, yada. We have turkeys. They're probably already getting shot, unfortunately. What are the numbers like? Do you have a sense for the numbers? And, and do you have any insight as to whether or not we're going to get a season? Okay. You're talking about a subject that we could do a whole other podcast about. I've been, I'm probably more passionate about wild turkeys than any other fur, fin, or fowl that's 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 in the woods. Um, I've been chasing those uh, frustrating buggers around the woods uh, in North America for a long time, and now we, uh, I, I was a part of the National Wild Turkey Federation, 
I was a district director for them years ago. Uh, when they left Canada, uh, myself and a gentleman from Nova Scotia uh, and a gentleman from St. John, we formed the Canadian Wild Turkey Federation. So it's in, it's in my blood. I've, I've been a part of this for a long time. Um, and in New Brunswick, a decade ago, a decade ago or more, I used to go to the Department of Natural Resources and say, hey, we got birds here. And they would say, well, they're not indigenous. And I'd say, I don't care. White-tailed right. deer were not indigenous. New Brunswick right. at one point. Whether it's indigenous or not is not an issue because nope. in a in hundred years from now, there's probably going to be species here that aren't indigenous. It's my job as the Minister of Natural Resources to manage any species that calls the woods or the water of New Brunswick home. So the indigenous argument, throw that right out. I don't care. Uh, the other thing is I told them 10 years ago, don't do anything and you're going to have a problem. And sure enough, lo and behold, by problem, I mean, there are folks that are saying uh, they're pecking their uh, reflection on the paint. Um, they're pooping on decks. And and then there's the issue where some farmers feel like it's an issue of crop damage. And I said, we happen to have the solution to that mm-hmm. in a control, managed, science-based uh, wild turkey management program through a hunt. And, and this is a particular... Uh, well, if you look over my shoulder in the gun cabinet, I've got a turkey fan displayed there. Um, there's probably not a wall space in my house that doesn't have some form of a beard or spurs or something hanging somewhere. And I said, this is a great opportunity for New Brunswick as well. So uh, I kept being told, no, 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 no. So what do you think I talked about very quickly when I was made the Minister of Natural Resources? Turkeys. <laughs> Turkeys. Yeah, I brought it to the... Uh, so after 16 months in the job, within three weeks, I think from now, we're opening a, a draw uh, for a lottery draw for turkeys in the province of New Brunswick. We are going to draw 400 tags, same as Maine did in 84. Oh. Oh. We lost him. Lost him there. He's back. He's oh. back. I can't believe that that I didn't get a phone call until right now. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> All right, eighty-four. Eighty-four tags. Four hundred tags, and uh, uh, it's going to be centered in the uh, three counties, basically: Charlotte County, Carlton County, and Minto and Chipman. We feel like there's a few thousand birds in the province, somewhere between two and four thousand. And nobody's gone out and said one, two, three, four, or whatever. But mm-hmm. we feel pretty good that we've got that. Maine had a significantly lower population than that when they started. So we're confident that if we move forward with a draw hunt that's very well managed, then we're finally going to put this species on the book in New Brunswick and create an opportunity for hunters that they didn't have, as well as move into uh, a management. Third job to manage them. Uh, Something else, too, when we accomplish this and we get this set up and established a couple of years down the road, we will be able to offer a spring turkey black bear combo hunt. No, <laughs> think about uh. no other jurisdiction in North America that can put something like that together. So, guess what? We might wear camo, and some people may discount us as not being the most refined. But guess what? Think of the economic development aspect yeah. that we can create here in the province of New Brunswick by being creative and looking to find the opportunities and walk them out and actually do them in a deliberate, intentional way. I'm more excited about this than anything I've been excited about in a long time. Amazing. No, we have a huge, 
um, hunting industry for uh, American black bear hunters. They come up in droves, um, getting crossbows into our hunting um, options was, was a huge thing because it, it was, it was keeping out a whole sector of hunters, guys who weren't crazy about firearms or didn't own firearms, didn't have time to, to practice with proper archery it's tackle. The crossbow is the answer for these people. If you want to bow hunt, you don't have time to practice. You don't have a coach, get a crossbow and, and you can still hunt with archery tackle. If you're disabled and you can't, you can't draw a bow, get a crossbow. You know what I mean? So that was a big thing too. But, um, a, a combo spring hunt will be huge for the outfitters and guides in our province. It's going to bring tremendous financial economic impact to the region. And we, we sorely need it. We just became the poorest province in Canada. So anything we can do to bring tourism here and have people leave their dollars behind rather than Alberta's dollars would just be fantastic. Absolutely. And I always said, I define redneck as someone who might have the glorious absence of sophistication but not necessarily intelligence. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's great. Uh, that's super exciting. We'll keep it. We'll definitely keep, uh, um, our ears peeled for more on that. Now, next question. Does, does New Brunswick have a coyote problem? Well, um, I'll tell you, uh, you walk the woods in New Brunswick. I walked in New woods, in New Brunswick. I've hunted all parts of New Brunswick. And I'm telling you what, the I, I started out in the 80s hunting in the Miramichi region. Uh, I've seen a significant increase in the population of coyotes. Now, a problem, I'm not a biologist, uh, but the, the population has certainly seen an increase. So when you combine that with a winter where the deer are dragging their bellies through the woods and they can scoot along the top, that 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 becomes a problem. It, it, it absolutely does. Um that's why, you know, eliminating caliber restrictions and maybe getting some more folks out to hunt coyotes. Good idea. Um, I'd like to look at options of, of bounties like we used to have, um, you know, it's trapping. The, don't, don't bounties backfire. Don't they yeah. start, don't they respond by, by having larger uh, litters of pups, more litters of pups? I mean, Nova Scotia's well, tried bounties. Is there any evidence yeah. in, have you seen any positive evidence relating the bounties no uh so i guess when i talk about that i talk about it from a perspective of every and any idea is is on the table because mm -hmm. i'm trying to grow a deer population i'm trying to do that through changes to our conservation forest connected conservation forest um i'm trying to do that by increasing uh, you know predator hunting opportunities with caliber restrictions but they do have a compensatory reproductive system and that's, isn't that fascinating that when the population is down, they pop more like that just blows me away. Mother nature is all, uh, sometimes I think she's pretty hard to get one up on. Mm -hmm. So where do we go with that? I don't know, but I think we need to be doing all, all that we can to be doing our best to, to control predators as best we can. Um, I think that, that, that the more moves I make towards uh, conservation, that's going to be very beneficial. Uh, we saw in the, our deer numbers are up. Uh, incrementally, they've been up over the last three years. And not coincidentally, it's been about five years since we had a real bad winter. So, you know, there is a correlation between. Well, that's right. I forget. <laughs> We're about 200 miles from each other. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I haven't had it. Uh, so there hasn't been a deer. There hasn't been a deer season here since 1993. 
Yeah, I know. And, I, and I've been working with the QDMA folks up in the northern part of the province to talk about ways that we can we can do that, to, to be deliberate and intentional about building, building that population. Um, I've had proposals come into my office from everything from, um, of course, connected habitat to feeding programs. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we're talking about. But, but when it comes to predators... <clears throat> coyotes uh, a, a, an incredible incredible predator they're very good at what they do so uh, i think that we are hunting them trapping them but we also it's incumbent upon us to take all the other steps about the holistic approach towards forestry management habitat management conservation management to give our other wildlife that's prey for coyotes a fair chance mm. Okay. Um, a question just came into my live feed that I want to run by you because as a bow hunter, I think it's a good question. Um, we, we get uh, three weeks early for bow season for whitetails. Um, what about uh, early moose archery only? Any, any, has that ever been, been, been run by you? No, I, well, it's it's something I like. I I think through all the different options we have on moose. Once again, as I said, anything we do to expand has to be mindful of the resource, and it can't it can't take us in a position where we put the resource population in jeopardy. But when it comes to moose or black bear here in New Brunswick, there's some pretty good populations of both. So yeah, I, I I'm, I'm I'd like to look at some options there um, with moose. While, if we if we did an archery only season, see we've got the five day season right now, and it's it's an exclusive season, right? Mm-hmm. Other than bear yep. with a bow, you can't yep. be in the woods, and 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 I think that moose hunters, as a rule, uh, consider that to be kind of their their period of time. Absolutely, it's such a, it's such a coveted tag that 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 it's easy for me to justify not having any any other hunters in the woods. With a bow season, would I do that? Or would I do it in conjunction with other hunting? Would that be given the same type of holy grail period of time that the that the rifle season is? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, the sh- the short answer is, um, you know, e- even on the back end, perhaps where the rut might be stronger. You know, I I think that now you're you're in Camelton. Um, I'm in Albert County, but I grew up in Miramichi, so you and I span the whole gauntlet of the of the length of the province. Uh, I've seen things change significantly over 30 years of moose hunting with the, with the temperature. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that was, look at, you, 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 have seen it. Yeah. And, and I've, so, seen, I've seen, I've seen guys lose their moose because it always seems like we get some weird, um, uh, heat wave during that, uh, during the moose season often, more often than not, it ends up being too hot during moose season. It's also, um, I'm told, and I'm no expert, but I'm told it's, it's before the rut. And a lot of hunters talk about a lot of, you know, self-proclaimed experts out there, armchair quarterbacks, thinking that the moose season should be later in the year for cooler temperatures and more rut activity. What are your thoughts on that? I like that. I mean, I like hunting the rut of anything, uh, whether it's a turkey, a bear or a deer or a moose. Um, so are we doing our moose just because, you know, uh, we've, is it one of these, well, we've always done it this way kind of answers. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. So I think we have to have a look at that calendar and see where it lies because I mean, you got even the Romans it, 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 centuries ago, uh, it would snow in June. So they'd ratchet the calendar back and say, okay, uh, now it's January. Uh, I mean, things changed and, and 
and society had to change with it. I half wonder if that's not something that we need to look at and see. Now, once again, I need science. I need biology. I need habitat. I need everything to come into play as well as understanding if we hunt moose during the hard rut, uh, I'm okay with that because we only allocate so many tags, right? Right. So it's not like the hunt's going to wind up going through the roof and be a real pinch on the The, resource. The the numbers are the numbers. All we're going to do is perhaps increase the likelihood that those tags will be filled. And let's face it, if 100% of the tags are filled, that's fine because we're at or beyond the carrying capacity of that species. So if we fill all the tags, that's okay. We've only allotted tags that the population can sustain. So, so what if we fill them all? We're, we're, we, we have, we have the tags. Yeah. We account for them. Now, now here's the question. Here's the question. As a moose hunter, you're used to having a five-day period in the woods where it's exclusively yours, basically. Yep. If we move that back, uh, you know, we got a hard time changing waterfowl opening day, upland opening day. So if we start to move that season and it starts to overlap other very traditional or entrenched seasons, you know, we have to have that conversation. Is that uh, are you looking to move the moose season and maintain your exclusivity? No. Yes, in the absolutely. Woods? Yeah, my opinion That's- would be. We, we maintain the exclusivity because it's so, like you said, it's such a coveted tag. Literally hunters wait their entire lives for it. They don't want to be, they're already tripping over each other in the woods. They don't want to be dealing with guys on quads chasing grouse. So, I know. Uh, you know so, what? I, I, there might be some back. Go ahead. I was going to say, you'll come with me when we talk to the Rough Grouse Society and the <laughs> wetland group. I will. I'll, I'll be happy to <laughs> yeah. join you. And that's, but, but, but here's the thing. If we do something like that, or if we do anything, caliber restrictions, Sunday, all the stuff I've been doing, I've been talking about it with, I'm, I'm, we're talking about it right now. And, and I'm not a fan of, of cooking up some idea on the top floor of a government building and then dropping it on the hunting community. This would take place after a lot of conversation, a lot of uh, social media, a lot of uh, podcasts, a lot of me standing right in the middle of, Dirty old Legion basements talking to fishing game clubs saying, what do you think? So mm. that's that it, 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 it's a conversation and, and one I'm not scared of and, and would continue with. Yes. Awesome. Okay. I've got one final thing for you. And then if yep. there's anything else you want to discuss, feel free. But my final yeah, question what, for more hours, do we? Hey, oh yeah. Yeah. Just well, listen. <laughs> that's uh, we produce this thing. We decide how long it's going to be. Um, what do you think New Brunswick's deer population's biggest challenge is? Mm. I don't think there's one. You I don't, don't think, think there's, there's one, like one thing or habitat or environment or predators. You think it's a combination? Yeah, I think there's a combination of factors. Um, okay, see, let I me spoiled. rephrase the question then, Mike. If uh, what's the first one that you would change or work on? So what I'm in the middle of right now, and Perfect. that's and that's creating a biodiverse and ecologically sustainable landmass for all critters, because in New Brunswick, it doesn't matter basically what the animals are that we have within New Brunswick. If we if we work to develop, create, and improve habitat, you know, uh, it's like the old saying uh, that the incoming tide will rise all boats in the harbor, mm-hmm. and 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 we've got we've got a decent footprint to work with 
um, I, I'm 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 putting a DNR dashboard together, an online portal, where anybody can go and have a look at what the forest floor looks like from from thirty thousand feet. We've got mixed forest. We've got predominant hardwoods. Got predominant softwoods. Uh, we certainly do have forestry. I'm working with them as well. Uh, but the whole idea is, uh, I just announced last October, and I didn't get much press for it, a historic announcement, an announcement where I doubled the conservation and protected natural area in the province of New Brunswick. It was, a, it was, a, it was amazing. That's 540,000 hectares of new, new uh, protected natural area. Class 2 protected natural area where we can still enjoy it, but it is not subject to industrial use. So that's a lot of food in the fridge for wildlife. And, and you know, mainstream media didn't pick it up. Maybe they didn't understand the significance of it. Oh, or maybe. The- yeah, maybe it all depends on who controls the mainstream media and whether or not it meets their narrative. You ever think of that? Well, of course you did. Yeah, well, it, it could be. But I'll tell you what, I've been, I've, I've been, I've been driving hard to do that. Um, this is, this is, this is a, a huge linchpin in everything because we can work towards a lot of different things, but the landmass needs to be connected. Now we have, we have a good skeleton that we can put meat on the bones in the province of New Brunswick, but the key with this conservation area, I'm going to do a few things with it. I'm going to fortify and strengthen waterways and, and sensitive areas, buffer zones that it shouldn't be arbitrary. They should be what it needs. Maybe a buffer zone is fine at 30 meters in one spot, but maybe it needs to be 300 meters somewhere else. It, we need to have a, a real-time look at the area. The Miramichi River System, you're probably familiar with it. The Rest of Goose River System, uh, St. John River System, with its wetlands. We've got to look at, at the whole footprint. And then the other thing is, I would like to have uh, a deer be able to leave Camelton and make its way to Hampton. Okay? What do you got to do to do that? You what have to have truck? a connection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've taken deer from Hampton, but I've never returned them. No, that's right. I usually drag up Hampton deer home in the truck every year, actually. <laughs> so, but but we've got to we've got to make sure that our forest and our province is connected mm-hmm. because uh, and 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 I, I I watched a lot of that in Maine with wild turkeys because they've got they've got underground pipelines all through there. And I've sat on those pipelines and I've watched birds. They just progressively spread throughout the state through these connected areas. Now, we don't have pipelines here, but we do have an opportunity. If I'm going to take 540,000 hectares and introduce it as protected natural area, then I've got an opportunity to make a real impact. You know what I'm doing? You were around when we did the forestry plan in 2014. That plan dropped our conserved and protected areas from 28% to 23%. This initiative that I'm doing right now takes that from 23% and puts it up back to 30. Historic. It's absolutely historic. Didn't get any coverage for it, but I'm damn well going to do it. And I got to do it before the end of this year. And I'm going to combine that with a variety of different things. I've also held the, um, the, the allocation, the new allocation of crown land. For those that aren't aware, crown land is, is provincially owned land. Uh, which is particularly where um, uh, forestry companies want to get allocations from. I've ceased the new allocation of crown land in the province of New Brunswick for five years. I don't know. Were you aware of that? Did you, no. did you hear that one? <laughs> That's huge. No. I know it's huge. It's amazing. You're telling me you're going to stop giving away government land to industry. 
The, the, the stuff they have allocated to them right now. Yeah, yeah but you're not going to give them any more for five years. Use I'm not. I'm not. And, and I'm going to take that five-year runway and work on our private woodlot sector, the private land sector, and help them fortify their systems so that they're getting their wood to market. And therefore, my crown land, I can continue to grow it, and then I can continue to work with it and, and, and apply it as I'm putting this 540,000 hectares in place. This is historic. It's never been done before, the steps I've taken. Private woodlot fortification, holding the allowable cut on crown land, and putting a half a million hectares into conservation. And I didn't get two pages worth of coverage with the news. Imagine that. So, I, well, I'm still trying to wrap not, my head around It's not scandalous around enough. Yeah, it wasn't scandalous enough. You're not only protecting natural resources and habitat for animals, you're also not hurting business by allowing industry to develop at the same time that's that yeah. doesn't, doesn't it doesn't make sense it can't be you can't have both what's yeah. i mean you can you can we all can live under the same roof it means that you can't be lazy though and i no. and i i'll criticize and i've done this before i've criticized ministers of natural resources from my own political party because they've they just didn't have a handle on what they were doing and they were and they were fed stuff and they and 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 they acted so I'm an equal opportunity critic. I'm not one of those guys that says the other party did something and it was wrong. No, my own particular party did wrong. They're, honestly, for a generation, the, the Department of Natural Resources has not looked at this from an eye towards conservation. And in 16 months, those announcements that I just told you about, all of them are within 16 months of, of taking the job because that's just too important. Now, on the Crown Land footprint, we've got 3 million hectares of crown land. Right now, 2.58% of that is, is not uh, plantation. And I'm what? keeping it. Yeah. You realize that? Holy. But, see, I got in there, the Department of Natural Resources, and I'm one of the weird ones because I started reading and reading and digging in. I wanted the facts. So 13% of the crown land footprint is in plantation. Plantation is basically a clear cut that grows back yeah. with, with, with plant like monoculture. They, right. Yeah. They, they, they cut down, um, they cut down all the trees that the animals need in their natural environment and plant the trees that they want to harvest again later. Yeah. So, and so plantation, 13%, 13% is, is in plantation. I'm going to keep that and I'm going to hold it to that. Maybe, you know, I, I mean, over the next, 20, 30 years, maybe we could even go to like 20%, whatever the case may be. But by the time I'm done this plan, for every 50,000 hectares that are cut, 40,000 of them will grow back in natural browse without treatment spray or anything to that effect. 80%. There you go. See, that's that's my whole concern and, and, and gripe with clear cuts is they take down the natural Acadian forest and they plant something that's not natural to that location. So the animals that, that need that biodiversity in their habitat don't have it. Like they're not, animals weren't born into a plantation, but their habitat's taken away and replaced with a plantation. It's not natural. So if I can use the plantation space we have right now, contain industry to that area, that 13%, maybe it's a couple of percent higher as the years go by, whatever, but keep it to that limited percentage of plantation and allow them to work it, work it hard. They, they require them to get the fiber that they need for industry out of that. 
then that gives me 87% of the crown land footprint to do exactly what we're talking about. Apply this conservation plan, connect the, the, the habitats. Um, it, it, like the problem is in politics, everybody expects something to be done instantly. Now I made all these announcements. It takes three months to grow a garden, but it takes 30 years to grow a forest. Right. Yeah. So I'm doing stuff that we're not going to see the benefit of until geez, long after I'm gone, but that's why I have a sense of urgency to get all this stuff done now. And are you getting um, much uh, resistance from the Irvings and, and other players in our forestry sector? A bit of confusion. I would call it confusion. Because <laughs> they I've don't done, know what to do I, with I, you? I yeah, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the Irvings have never come up against a Mike Holland. No. I don't, I, I'm not claiming to be anything uh, other than I am, but... I mean, I've been around the woods my whole life, and I and I had a vision, clear vision for where I wanted to see what the what the footprint of our province looked like, and we're walking it out. I've I've assured industry that I'm not going to be that. There, twenty thousand people make their living from forestry in New Brunswick. I'm not going to shut them down. I'm not going to be the guy that sent thousands of people home from work. However, for the first time, when it comes to management of our forest. I'm involving conservation groups. I'm involving stakeholders that have never been invited to the table before. And, and, and you know what, guess what? We can all live under the same roof. Now in the history of the province of New Brunswick, industry was the primary stakeholder. None of the conservation groups were invited to the table. I've changed that paradigm. That's a little confusing to them because in, uh, on one hand, I'm telling them, I am, uh, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to make sure that you continue but I'm bringing people to the party that they're not used to seeing sitting around the table. So it's made for a couple of interesting meetings. I'll call it that way. How's that? No doubt. No doubt. I told you, I told you when we started, I got an awful thick skull and I live my whole life in this province. And long after I'm done in politics, I can either have created a legacy with my work that I do here, or I can run from people on the street because I buckled and folded. Which one do you think I want to live out my days doing? Uh, We can clearly see which direction you're headed in. So carry on. Yeah. So um, is there anything else you'd like to discuss before we wrap this up? Just the fact that I, uh, and this is less about initiatives or what, Oh, by the way, we talked about what I got for 16 months. Mm-hmm. Wait, stay tuned for the next 16 months. We got a lot more things that I'm working on that are going to be changing. I'll give you a little sneak peek. Um, I opened up 84 lakes, an additional 84 lakes, doubled the amount of lakes that we can ice fish in New Brunswick this winter. I don't know if you heard that one or not. Nope. Um, see, nobody gives me any press. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, I need you to go. You need to take this. You're on the number one podcast, Canadian podcast. Just now, this has to go viral. <laughs> this has to go viral. I opened yep. 84 new lakes for ice fishing because guess what? We've been hearing that for 20 years. Yeah. I got in there and and made it happen. It's, it, guess what? I didn't have to do a whole lot of heavy lifting. It just had to have the desire to do it. So when you buy your fishing license next year, when you buy your open water fishing license, I'm including the ice fishing license with it at no extra cost. Man. So it's just, so just it's a not little. Even, yeah, they can't even say it's a money grab. Oh, yeah, they gave us 84 lakes, but they doubled our license. No, 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 no. I'm actually low with the bar removing the barriers and I'm hopefully going to have a heck of a lot more people out ice fishing. There's a little tidbit. I got a heck of a lot more. I'm just getting started. I'm well, just getting started. I've been waiting you. 20 years to get this job. And the next guy that comes along and tries to take away from me, is going to have a hell of a fight. 
I love every second of this. And I just hope to heavens I can hang on long enough so that I can look back when I'm in the nursing home and bore people with the stories about what I did when I was a minister. So <laughs> awesome. Well, you've got an open invitation here, Mike. Um, before we let you go, I'm going to turn it over to my co-hosts and see if there's anything that uh, they'd like to add or any questions they have. So, uh, guys, go ahead if you have anything for Mike. I mean, one of the things, just just a, a rough comment. Um, it seems like a lot of a lot of governments add legislation over the years, th- yeah. stuff that th- that seems like a good idea. Uh, no one takes them away, and I think that's what you're doing with some of this stuff. It's like, uh, you know, this Sunday hunting. Is this a good idea? Ah, uh, maybe not. Maybe it's time to repeat. Maybe it's time to pull some of this stuff out. And uh, it's good that uh, Fresh Set Eyes on it is uh, is throwing out the stuff that just doesn't belong anymore, or maybe never belonged. Mm. Well, just a quick quick comment to that. When I walked in. Um, I, I've revamped my senior management team at the Department of Natural Resources. I have a deputy minister now uh, who's the second in command. Okay. Uh, he got a moose last fall. So that's my senior bureaucrat. He's a is moose that, hunter. Is that part of the criteria, though? <laughs> no, it's not. No, you know, well, I'm an MLA, member of the Legislative Assembly. So we used yeah. to joke that member MLA meant moose license assured. But, <laughs> but, but see, to be in the civil service, you didn't have to be like this gentleman that I brought over to my department. He was working in the Department of Seniors and Social Development. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, no, 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 no. He's got a wealth of experience. He's a forester. He's a hunter. He's he's one of us. So I brought him over to to, to, to take on the most important position in the department, the deputy minister. Yeah, right? it makes, I it brought makes up sense. Yeah, it makes sense to put people in the position that actually know what the hell they're talking about or are familiar with that. that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I brought up an aide, uh, my assistant deputy minister in forestry. Uh, I brought up a young guy that studied forestry for nine years, lives and eats and breathes trees. Makes sense. Um, I just hired an acting director uh, for Fish and Wildlife. He ran uh, Fish and Wildlife stores. He's an avid hunter, bow hunter, fisherman. He's been pro staff at places. Guy gets it. My executive director of Fish and Wildlife was a boots in the ground CO. Um, like I, I, I've got a whole executive team. And I walked in and I, once I got them formed, I said, guys, Department of Natural Resources is kind of like an insurance agency. For years, you've perfected saying no. We're going to change that. When people come in and sit down and talk to us, I said, we're going to look at them from the lens of three statements. What if, why not, and let's do it, and create a possibility mindset within the department. And you wouldn't believe, when I took the shackles off of them, and then I was able to back them up with a clear clear vision and a strong background in this industry, mm-hmm. I believe that the Department of Natural Resources has created and delivered more positive initiatives than any other arm of this government. Now, some of my peers may take issue with that, or they may even be jealous, but I'm very <laughs> proud of what we <laughs> Awesome. Cool. I yeah. did have one. I, I did have one question. Uh, so, have you seen that your peers in the other provinces are are following this lead, or it's probably the other way around? He's Excited. we're getting caught up here in New Brunswick. Yeah. So, uh, what you're doing? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I've watched. I've watched the natural resources practices in other jurisdictions over the course of the last twenty years myself. 
You know, yeah. I'm one of those geeks that would read the Hut and Trap book from Alberta or read, read the, the fishing guidelines in Nova Scotia. And, and so I, I eat the meat, spit out the bones, and I've been trying to fabricate and piece together the best practices from everywhere that I've seen. Um, and arguably, maybe some other provinces would take our lead, but I got to get the press. Yeah. Nobody knows what I'm doing. <laughs> so, well, slam fire. I'm counting on you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we definitely have your back, and uh, you're welcome back here anytime. And uh, I hope you take us up on the offer. It's open door policy here. Anytime there's something amazing going on that you want the listeners to know about, not just in New Brunswick, but, you know, North America yep. and even a couple of countries overseas, like, come on back anytime, Mike. You bet. When I pull together some more initiatives, and like I told you, I got a bunch more coming. I'll let you know, and I'd love to come back. Excellent. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming, Mike. All the best Thanks. to you, and I can't wait to hear about the next 16 months. Thanks a lot. See you guys. See ya. Thanks. Once again, I would like to thank Honorable Mike Holland, Deputy er, from the Department Minister for the Department of Natural Resources and Energy Develop Development in New Brunswick. That was a fascinating um, main topic. I learned a lot and I'm excited about things that are on the way and looking forward to having Mike back to, uh, to fill us in. So some big moves, eh? Like not just really like, big. ah, we'll just like, let's double the lake so we can go ice fishing on and yeah. not charge you for it. Yeah. No, he's he's yeah. very innovative, like very innovative. Like, I was shocked to find out how little land is protected in New Brunswick. I am too. That was I, frightening. Yeah. And cause I grew up in New Brunswick. Uh, I went to school where there was like UMB has one of the best forestry programs ever. And I actually worked for Irving oil as well. And I was thinking that there was a lot of com conservation and it's actually not the case. Mm -mm. No. Oh, the Irvings go in, yeah. uh, flatten a, a wood lot plant the trees that they want to go back and harvest for paper right. and then spray a herbicide to ensure that the hardwood doesn't grow back. No hardwood, no deer food, no deer food, no deer. Yep. Anyway, so his whole thing about protecting habitat while not hurting industry. Yeah. It's quite, uh, quite amazing. Yeah. All right. Let's get into uh, listener feedback. And uh, this segment is sponsored by Armory DC Gunsmith. Armory DC Gunsmith is a full service gunsmith who specializes in firearms refinishing. He offers hot bluing, park rising, Cerakote finishes, as well as wood refinishing and rust bluing. We rust blued Captain Andy's muzzle loader barrel this week. Did you? Yep. Check out Sweet. his online inventory of new and used guns, firearms, accessories, optics, and more at www dcgunsmith.ca check them out on the Facebook check them out on the Instagrams or just uh, just Google them like Adriel would say yeah Kelly we did uh, a lot of a lot of bluing jobs this week and somebody brought us a 3030 Marlin 3030 that's another shop had blued and yeah. um, I don't know yeah. who but they lack experience and knowledge it seems like the gun wasn't prepped properly um, it's possible that the gun was blued assembled because when I disassembled the gun, there was like bluing salts in all the screw holes, oh. or maybe it was just not cleaned properly before reassembling. They didn't have um, Joey posting those signs. No, no, exactly. But that's for Cerakote, by the way, but still funny. <laughs> I know um, you walked into it. Just what else? 
just and then the uh, the steel wasn't prepped properly. There was a lot wow. of pitting, and the pitting wasn't removed. They just blew it over it. So really? we did that. Yeah, did that. Did a Winchester thirty-seven single shot twelve gauge. Did uh, a twenty eleven slide and frame. Okay. Is there anything uh, exciting that he has in right now? Well, still a whack of brownings on sale. Okay. Um, there's that stainless browning. Adriel, what's the one that you have? Uh, X-Bolt. X-Bolt. So there's that's in there. Um, there's an A5 still in there on sale. My WK's in there on sale. Um, so in other words, everybody needs just to go and check out online. Inventory. Yeah, there's go lots of it. stuff. Yeah, there's still stuff on sale. And check out the Facebook page for a list of the guns that are on sale. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's do, uh, let's do some listener feedback. Kelly, would you take the first one here, please? Okay. It says cheers from a new listener. Hello y'all special hi to my maple seed instructor, Kelly. Hi. Uh, haven't been, a, haven't really been a listener in the past, but I find myself when a, with an abundance of spare time lately. So I'm now powering through the backlog and a while- desire to kill brain cells. Right. So actually good. I heard from him. I got I got a message from him. He spent nine hours today listening to us. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Anyways. Jeez. Oh, that's not <sighs> sorry. Hi, Jeez. Corey, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's go back. Uh, I'm now powering through the backlog while I'm working around the house or just surfing the web, looking, dreaming of a future gun purchases. Um, with a spare time, I've decided to put a basic belt uh, together and perhaps uh, go get my black badge course. I think he really needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't intend on becoming a full-time competitor, but maybe once or twice a year as an additional skill set, um, a learning opportunity. I have a Smith & Wesson M&P uh, 9 uh, that I bought a number of years ago uh, and used with, uh, with, the, with the whole range cat. Uh, I believe it to be stock, uh, stock pistol, uh, though it doesn't have the same tritium, uh, though it does have some tritium sites uh, that seem to be on their last legs. One thing uh, it has, which I hate, is the magazine disconnect. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, we talked about that a little bit earlier, um, so that you uh, can't fire around if the mag is out, uh, thus, ma- thus making the unload show clear hammer down a much a longer, uh, larger pain in the arse. Uh, can one remove this feature and install no. the... If you're going to use it for IPSC, you have to leave it as is. You just take out an empty mag out of your pocket, show the range officer, explain to him you have a magazine disconnect, and you need to insert an empty mag to lower the hammer. And the range officer smiles and nods, and you do it, move on, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, he actually just said, hey, can you uh, remove the feature and install the OEM parts uh, to bring it back to how other versions of the same model work and still same stay within the production class. So Trevor just talked about that. Any other- it's because no. you're not allowed to disable safety features. So right. Uh, right. even st- stupid ones like that. And yeah. they and they go ahead and they print right on the gun that there's a magazine disconnect. So you get some some yeah. group that may be more uppity than others and they see that you're lowering the hammer without inserting a mag and they see that the gun is supposed to have a mag disconnect, you can find yourself thrown in open for the stupidest reason ever. Yeah. Anyways, he goes, any other tips or tricks uh, for a noob are always appreciated. Cheers, Corey. That's Corey Johnson, by the way. Corey is the current record holder for the Project Maple Seed 
MQT. Just like, this is you know, the guy who's got his own range in his backyard, right? Where he practices like every day, all day. Right. But he's not there anymore. He's he's now in Alberta. So he's in, him and Adriel can get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the recommendation I would have is to have an empty mag in your back pocket. Uh, yep, yep. That is just all uh, spray paint it. Do something with it. Take the uh, take the follower out of it, or not. I, 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 you probably want it as a backup mag just in case one of your other mags. Yeah, you don't need to destroy up. the mag. Just tell the tell yeah. the arrow what you're doing. The yeah. arrows understand. They know the gun. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's silliness though. It it really should be a like you should be able to pull that out, but you can't. Yep. Yep. And yeah, you okay. should. Mm-hmm. Any other recommendations for him um, being fantastic? You know, he is fantastic. Uh, no, give I mean, up I your just, maple just seed ambitions. Hmm? I just want to give up his maple seed ambitions. <laughs> yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd say just get out there and shoot it because it's yeah. uh, it's a good course and uh, an MMP is fine for it. Cool. Oh yeah. 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 Okay, that's it. Yep. So if you would like to email the show, uh, you could do so by sending an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Shout outs. Um, my shout out is to my co-host, Kelly. Kelly sent a wonderful um, sympathy card from herself and my other co-hosts. Uh, it's never too late to tell someone you care about them. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really sweet to uh, to get that card. And thank you for not including anthrax, a bag of dicks, <laughs> or glitter. All that means a lot to me. That's uh, my second um, chip, uh, Kelly. The, uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Um, Rick Woods gave me my first one. Yeah. Correctly, yeah. Rick gave me mine, too. Oh. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The bag of thank dicks you. is coming next week, by the way. <laughs> Wait. Could you send a bag of boobs, maybe, instead? <laughs> if I could, you know. Well, I don't anyway. think it works that way. I, no. You don't get to pick these things. I understand. Adriel, any shoutouts? Uh, I did, and I'm like, I was remembering yesterday. It's like, yeah, I got to shut that person out, and uh, and I forget. So <laughs> they uh, don't mean I'll, that much uh, to you, apparently. I'll shout out Kelly for uh, for getting on the phone and helping me with all the stuff that I asked uh-huh. for and demand, and going above and beyond to send me more stuff. You're welcome. As long as she didn't send any stuff you already have, that would be a waste of time and energy. I did a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? No. Well, he had some things, but I just gave him. I'm just more. sending more, and so that, that he sense. can he can he can have more events, and he can. I'm just mm-hmm. doing standard. I'm not doing anything special for everybody. Like, I'm just doing. I'm sending the same stuff out to everybody. I don't care if you already it have makes stuff. sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's a reload. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So I do have a shout out. Uh, first one goes to Bullseye London, Rick Woods, Ken Thiessen, you guys over there for the donation that you guys made to the CCFR this week, $5,027. Uh, that uh, basically half of um, the people that order, made orders, um, they made donations to the CCFR's cause and uh, Bullseye London they actually matched it. So it ended up being $5,027. So good on you guys. Thank you very much for doing that. I just wanted to give you a shout out because you guys are fantastic. Great customer service as well. As I said, love having you guys on the show. And I actually just 
love you both anyways. Um, but also to Adriel and Gallen and to uh, Ryan B. Temps and everybody else who are part of the Instructor Corps. I'm really looking forward to uh, this year. And uh, thank you very much for making my job a little bit easier, especially Adriel. So I want to say thank you to you. Cool. I also want to shout out Ken. Um, you know, we had an amazing episode with uh, Ken and Ryan. Ryan, yep, Ryan, and um, really got my PRS juices flowing. I'm looking at a PRS rifle that I've never used in a PRS match, and uh, the barrel is short through screw ups with North Shore barrels when they built the rifle and they put the barrel on the action. They they somehow didn't cut the chamber straight, and uh, well, they he anyway. So. Um, it's got no profile. It's short. I should have gone 26 to 24 inches, 24 to 26 inches. Anyway, long story short, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm going to rebarrel it and I'm going to rebarrel it in 6.5. And I have, so Ken gave me a whole bunch of information. Um, we got chatting through DMS on Instagram and I was, I was doing it, man. I was going full on man bun. Joey even <laughs> found a place where I could buy a strap on man bun. <laughs> so I got thinking about it. We even, you know, Ryan, um, Stacy is working on a barrel for me for my 7.62 by 40 project right now. We're changing the gas uh, length system on the, uh, on the build going to a carbine instead of rifle length and um, told him what I was going to get and stuff. And so he was ready to send me out a 6.5 and Denny was going to go to mount it. And man, I just kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. I was like, no man, let's face it. I'm not shooting PRS every weekend. No, and I've not. got, thousands of dollars invested in 308 reloading equipment like i just bought a fancy redding seating die with a micrometer on it and i got all this 308 powder and 308 bullets i'm like nope i'm not doing it i'm gonna stick 308 i'm not gonna switch 6.5 so um i will be getting from ibi a 26 inch 308 heavy varmint profile barrel and uh for the a little bit of prs shooting that i will be doing i will use help What's that? You'll just miss more. That's all right. I'll miss as much as everybody else shooting at 308. You're in your own division. What the hell? Yes. the uh, It's like the classic division for 1911, right? For, right. Uh, for Ipsic. Yeah. Yep. Seniors. For the older Old guys. Men. Yeah. Yep. They want to they keep using their uh, obsolete equipment. And yep. they don't want to have to compete with the new hotness that, uh, that just makes it too easy. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> All right, Patreonies, uh, you can support the show so that we can fuel the jet by becoming a Patreoni. It's a great way to show your support. You go over there, you become a Patreon, they charge your credit card a small amount every month, and that money gets funneled into Adriel's offshore accounts. You can become a Patreoni by going to patreon.com forward slash slam fire radio and showing us some love in, um, you know, something like a caliber, like 223, 762, 556, I don't 50. know, 50 BMG, whatever, 50 BMG. What, you know, whatever. You can also show your support for the show by visiting our website and clicking on the links for Cabela's. So if you're going to Cabela's to buy something, just go through our website and we'll get a small kickback. And that also helps keep the lights on here at the Slamfire Radio Studios. Until next week, everyone, please join one or both of our firearms associations um, or just join the CCFR. Going off of memory, not looking at the notes. <laughs> <laughs> Doing pretty good. Check us out. Thanks, man. Check gist. us out on Gun Owners of Canada. And be sure to like us on Facebook. Hey, shout out to Doug Mead. 
Doug is in Ethiopia um, doing plumbing work on an orphanage. Don't ask. But uh, anyway, he assures <laughs> me that Slamfire is more like some Facebook than this orphanage. And I'm thinking if you got to bring Canadians over to fix your plumbing, you're probably in dire straits. So we, we probably definitely have these guys beat. So thanks to Doug for telling for well one for going to fix an orphanage's plumbing like he's a way better human being than any of us even in ethiopia right Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so anyway um but yeah he assures me that we've got them beat and uh, we are up to 2360 likes as of today on the old facebook but we need more so join the ccfr become a patreoni shop at cabela's through our website Check so on GOC and like us on Facebook so we can uh, compete with homeless children. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.